Welcome back to Alex and Josh do Tinseltown. Yep, and here we are for episode two. And episode we are, three. No, it's only episode zero, remember. Oh, fair enough. So, <laughs> we have episode two, mm-hmm. which is Nobody. Nobody. So, this film, I don't know about everyone else, but it kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. I had no idea what this was. I'd never seen any promotion or anything for it until this past weekend when it was every single ad break on UFC, every single ad break on ESPN, every single promotional thing for a movie was just this. Mm -hmm. And it was basically a picture of either Bob Odenkirk getting punched by fists coming in off screen or him already bit of wear and tear smoking a cigarette so it's also kind of vague and i quite like the idea of it because it never said like inspired by this based on that it seemed like a wholly original work Mm -hmm. alas that wasn't necessarily true yes that wasn't really true. yeah significantly more derivative than anything else i've seen in a while Mm. at least more derivative than i was expecting um but yeah, I was quite surprised by this. I was also surprised because we had a different movie in mind for this week. Very different movie. And get a message from Josh, like, hey, we should watch this movie. And I'm like, never heard of it. Well, well, well my the reason why I try and do this podcast is I don't watch many movies from 2021. Mm-hmm. I want to stay current. I want to stay relevant. And yeah. if you see this much advertising for a movie, you assume there's something to it. Right. And then I saw Ilya Nyshula's name on the credits. So he was the guy who did Hardcore Henry. Which was great. All right. And <laughs> so this is his second project mm-hmm. in five years. Like, I guess he took a long time off after that. He is in a punk band, a Russian punk band. Oh, so I imagine cool. they were more focused on that than anything else. That's fine. So I wanted to see mainly what Nyshula did away from like the first person gimmick. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was a short movie, let's say 90 minutes. Which is... Interesting because a lot of movies that are coming out now are hitting the two yeah. hour plus mark. Right. Seeing that number made me very pleased. I was very happy. Not necessarily because it's short, but because like a genre film of this caliber, it's meant to be 19 minutes. It, they, yeah, they... it shouldn't be two hours plus. Like well, it shouldn't be. I mean, up until I'd say the mid to late 90s, this kind of film was always 90 minutes. Yes, it was. Yeah. And it felt very much like, okay, this guy gets it. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's going for. And then you had that opening first act or so yeah which i quite liked it was a bit like a lesser version of the commuter the liam neeson film because mm-hmm. that started off with the same montage which was edited by andre de Totson, if that matters to anyone at all um <laughs> and then went into the scenario of just like the normal guy mm-hmm. getting into mm-hmm. trouble and they towed the line quite well between was this going to be the commuter where its average guy gets into trouble was going to be taken where a guy with a particular set of skills gets into trouble. Um, And then they veer off very much into the Taken direction. See, I was going off of falling down with Michael Douglas. See, yes. So it started off feeling very much like that. Yeah. But also, you also... Do you remember A History of Violence? The Viggo Mortensen film? Yes, I do remember that one. Yeah. It had that similar sort of vibe where it's a very normal guy. But then the moment, like, he can get into, like, exactly. a the, scrape. Exactly, the switch happens. Yeah. Because when I was watching this movie, I was thinking of first falling down. I'm looking at him, like, I get the monotony, like, the midlife crisis yeah. type. Like, not really midlife crisis, but, like, you're stuck in the zone and you can't get out and it's very boring. Mm-hmm. And then the falling down. And then as the movie progressed and you got more of what was happening, I was like... This is Die Hard with a Vengeance with, like, 
a little bit with like the brother yeah. being killed and then you killed my brother I must kill you kind of kind of thing. And then I don't know if you've seen The Equalizer Which, with Denzel Washington. No. It's one of my favorite action movies that came out like in the past five five years. Yeah. Um and it has like the same story of history of violence as well mm-hmm. where you have this guy who is an auditor quote unquote yeah. for big three acronym companies and all of a sudden he's like I must, you know, save the my small community or something yeah. and he's violent steps into regulate yeah yeah steps into rage mode so there's a lot of touches of other movies in this movie yeah and then we get after like the early investigation scenes where he grabs the badge off his FBI dad played by Christopher Lloyd and, oh, like, I was so happy to see Christopher yeah. Lloyd yeah yeah it, he has it, you know I feel like the secret to like I don't say aging gracefully but he's been that old since, like, Back to the Future. He has like, been that old. Like, he hasn't aged at all like, since Back to the Future. Like, f- figure how long ago that was to now. He must have looked this old since he was, like, 35. <laughs> and then... Which is fortunate and also unfortunate, yeah, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Like, but, I guess it gets more fortunate the older you get. Exactly, yeah. But, but it's know. not really fortunate when you're 35 years old. But, yeah. So, yeah, so he gets the badge off his father, then goes to a tattoo parlor... Yes. To do an investigation because mm-hmm. he saw a tattoo on a guy who robbed his home. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was going in a really good direction. And then he rides the bus home. Right. And this is where I got both the hint it was going in a very good direction mm-hmm. and then the confirmation it was going in the worst possible direction. Mm-hmm. Because you have this voiceover that kicks in. And it only happens like once or twice in the film. The voiceover. Yeah, so he's sitting there in silence watching these like uh, gobnicks attack yeah. the bus. And he has this voiceover where he's saying like, yeah, just make a move. Like, I'm ready to do this. Like, and you had this like really interesting moment of like, oh, it isn't that he snapped. It's that, like he's really into this. He really likes it. Well, you could, you understand that later on. Yeah. Why that was happening. But like the with the voiceover, it may have been like that... Um, that person of that piece of himself that he just kind of pushed down, yeah. trying to just like. So I really like the know. idea of that coming to the surface. Mm, it was a yeah. bit. It reminded me a bit of. Uh, did you Death Wish two? No. So in Death Wish one, we know what happens. Mm. Death Wish two, because the police are going to get him, he moves from New York. So what's it like, Chicago or Boston or something? And he gets involved with a woman who was actually Charles Manson's real wife. I forget her name oh. at the moment. She was in all his later movies. Um. And something else happens where he then goes into, like, vengeance mode. And she ultimately leaves him because she gives him an ultimatum, which is, like, either you stop killing people or, or you, just, or you like, keep going because you are, like, a savage. Yeah. And the realization is, like, he just loves being a savage. So I hoped it was going in that direction mm-hmm. where, like, they were going to be like, okay, we have this righteous violence, but for the first time they're going to have a protagonist who is like, yeah, I'm into this. I want to kick these guys' heads in. I really like it. And then, is it Frank Sinatra kicks in on the soundtrack? Oh, I loved it, yeah. How many times now do we have, like, an ironic musical choice in this kind of scene? Because it's happened a few Mm. times now. People do enjoy doing that, but... And I feel like I've seen this so many times. And not only that, coming so soon after the voiceover. Right. And not only that, but how many times it then happens throughout the film. Like, every action film has, like, an oldie playing over it. Right. It felt like they knew it was going in this harsh direction. Yeah. And they were intentionally undercutting it because they didn't want to have the, you know, this film's reveling in violence. Mm. Is Ilya Naishula 
a savage, violent Cause guy. Because you have, like, the violence you have to, like, counteract the, the amount of violence, yeah. which was fantastic violence. Um, I'm not, like, a horrible person or anything. I am. We were all a little bit horrible, aren't we? So to counteract, like, the amount of violence in this movie, I feel like we had the music. Mm. And then we also had those little small bits of details, but that that were acting as, like, comedy like bits. The, yeah, like when he's, when he's choking the guy with the bus stop, and yeah. this, it's dinging, and it's, like, yeah, bus stopping like sign that, lights And up. then when he zoomed in and parked at the warehouse, and it was just like, yeah. I'm the owner, like, I'm this person type of thing. So then that made me wonder... Is this intended to be a comedy? Is this intended to be like a parody? Because, mm. so it's written by Derek Kolstad, mm-hmm. who wrote John Wick. Mm-hmm. It's produced by David Leach, who co-directed John Wick, who then went on to make Atomic Blonde. Okay. So there is like pedigree here. The difference is this is with Bob Odenkirk, who I don't really know. I but don't really. I know him as, he did Mr. Show for a long time. He was a comedian for a while. He is like funny i guess in better call saul things like that so his casting suggests that it's kind of like a com like a parody yeah type of thing. and then with how much was like quote-unquote funny in this movie mm. i feel like it was heading in that direction it could have been i mean i if if they came out with like an interview and said yeah this is kind of like a parody on like previous um previously recent action movies i wouldn't be surprised yeah at all because a lot of action movies, like you said, do the same kind of music thing, and then like the guy snapping into rage. Yeah. So it would make sense for it to be a parody, but it also makes sense that it's not. Like ultimately, that was my issue with the whole film, and led to it da- its downfall. Is it feels like it's towing both lines at the same time. It wants to have like violent action, mm-hmm. wants to have silly music. Yeah. It wants to be like a serious revenge movie that like talks about you know midlife crisis sort of yeah. thing. But also be like funny, I guess, and it never picked a side. It, it never did pick a side, but I'm okay with it not picking a side. I know you're not. No, I'm. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm tired of movies not picking sides. I'm tired <laughs> of movies not committing to the gimmicks. I'm tired of movies that feel like they come with like built-in excuses for why they don't work, why you don't like them. Mm. You know, this film, like I said, the comedy didn't feel like comedy. Feel like no one could call Ilya Nishula a bad guy. In the same way that, like, the Marvel movies have comedy, so no one can, like, claim that they're failing as action movies, right, you know? Right, yeah. It feels very defensive, which is a real shame, because everyone in the cast is, like, really game for this movie. I was really surprised how good Bob Odenkirk he is did a great at job. this. Yeah. He is really good at, perhaps not throwing a punch, but really good taking a punch. Yes. So, like, the the way he gets, like, involved in the fight scenes, he isn't just, like, John Wick, just, like, killing everyone with headshots. No, he's just He brawls. Of, yeah. Because I really enjoyed that. Because the whole thing was for me, I was a little bit confused at the, at the start after the whole breaking in scene. Mm. And the son was just, I had to write the essay on the veterans. And then you get like that little taste of what he did. He yeah. was an auditor. Oh, it didn't really do much. And I was like, mm, there's something, but there's nothing there. Um, and then you go into the whole um, talking to his dad, getting the gun and everything. And you're starting to get more clues. And that fight scene and the bus, watching him just kind mm. of like take it back. You're like, okay, so you've taken this before. You're just yeah. getting back into it. And it's interesting to think about like how long has he been living a quote unquote normal life? Yeah. And why did, well, we understand why he wanted to get out with the story of Alan later on. But I liked that little bit. I really liked how 
you see him carrying the gun all those scenes when mm. it comes for time to use it he like unloads the bullets yes. and just wants to scrap instead and just wants to just get down and dirty yeah. which is bravo sir yeah bravo, sir. it was a that's the thing there's a lot of really good touches in this that i feel like a more confident director or like yeah like for example nicholas winding refn does seem to care if you think he's a creep or a weirdo or whatever mm. and i think that's the kind of person you needed for this project because Ilya nishula is very much of the like post tarantino ironic violence right, cool yeah. stuff generation which i think that's had its day it, it did i never liked that sort of stuff but now particularly with a project as raw looking as this it did, I felt like it didn't fit to me. Mm, yeah. I think, like, I don't know. When you when you get Christopher Lloyd, yeah, you know what you're getting yourself into, you know? Like, I sort think of. He, I, I think... mean, he, he's also been in, like, he was in Sin City 2 in, like, a similar sort of minor yeah. role. Because me seeing the name Christopher Lloyd when I was looking up the cast, mm. I immediately knew it wasn't going to be as serious as it would, like, as an action movie would yeah. be. He's the embodiment of just, like, happiness to me. Well, in a weird way, yeah. I mean, like not in this movie, but yeah, like, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> but like, I, yeah, I feel like Doc Brown is one of those iconic roles, exactly. That a character act like that will always like live in infamy of, it, yeah. And, and then also, you have Riza, mm. and he's been in serious movies, but it's also like having the Riza in a movie, you know, it's going to be a little bit over the top mm. at the same time as well, so like. Seeing the cast, I kind of knew what kind of vibe the movie was going yeah. to be, but I didn't know how we were going to get to the peak of the vibe. Yeah. Mm. And the stuff with the Russians was very strange in the sense of you have like Ilya Nishula, he cast uh, Alexei Sebrakov, mm-hmm. who is best known to me at least as the lead actor of Leviathan. Never seen the uh, Andrei Sviagintsev movie from a few years ago. Mm. It was a very good, very bleak uh, tale of, like, Russian corruption. So it's mm-hmm. very, like, it's a real, like, art house movie. Right. So having him cast as, like, this slapstick villain almost is, like, yeah, a really, it was very slapstick, really yeah. interesting piece of, like, casting. See, even with, like, the whole Russian bit, I don't know how, act, like, action movies can't make Russians a cliché. I mean, there. That was just the most cliche thing. Oh, you've missed it! Ah, oh, yeah. across the street. I'm gonna walk across, not give a shit, and then walk in. I'm gonna kill this guy. I don't know who he is. With a glass bottle, well, not even a glass bottle, some martini glass, and then just say, "Yeah, mess with me. See what's gonna happen." Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I grew up very much of the like, I like my first movie watching experiences were like early '90s, late '80s movies. Mm-hmm. So I had films like Rocky IV, GoldenEye, No Retreat, No Surrender, mm-hmm. Top Gun, where like the Russians were the villains. They were exactly. always like these kind of very cool, very stoic guys. And now they've looped back around to being like the acceptable villains. Right. And it feels like they're just doing that again. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, because for a lot, for a little bit of a time, we had the Middle East mm. uh, being the villains in movies, and yeah. I guess now it's time to step away from that. Finally, thank you guys, but. Well, I, I don't know. I, I feel like um, Jesse Ventura, who was in Predator, yeah. went on to be a senator, things like that. I feel like he is right in the sense of, like, the reason why Russians get cast in these things is they're, like, white enough 
in the sense you can be yes. they're, like they're weird enough you can be like racist towards them but they're white <laughs> enough you can get away with it fair enough yeah and i feel like that's kind of what this film is trading in with the how they kind of do the russians even mm. though it's by a russian director even with the black russian guy yeah that was also a nice funny little thing there which i when i saw him i was like oh this is based on the drink the black russian cocktail uh the black don't just get the just just get a normal white Russian. Yeah. Don't don't do that. Um, but I don't know. Like I like I'm okay with it kind of being a cliche and the movie kind of almost sort of being a parody. Yes and no. Yeah. But that's the thing. If it would have gone full parody, mm. I've liked it more. I'd have gone totally non-parody, totally serious. I've liked it more. As it stands, it feels like quite a disappointment in the sense it's like all the pieces are good. I really liked Nishula's direction. Yes. I really liked uh, Bob Odenkirk as nobody. Mm-hmm. I really liked how the plot progressed from kind of just day-to-day did, life yeah. to just absolute nonsense at the end. Yeah. But then it didn't gestalt. It didn't really add up to anything. No, no, it didn't, no. There was nothing really fully at stake. Yeah. If anything, it was just kind of somebody trying to get out but you kind of knew that he was going to be okay. But that's again, that's the thing. You can have these like small scale projects. The difference is when it got to the end, it got to a large scale. Mm-hmm. That the personal aspect kinda of his lost. life was, just, yeah, it kind of got lost. I mean, his family like disappears for half of that film. He sticks in the basement, then goes to do the final. Well, climax. yeah, you don't want your family mixed up with all of that. No, but you want them to be like involved in the plot, involved in like the motivation. But I, just, I feel like... like they weren't at. Like, I feel like they weren't really part of the story. It was just mm. kind of like a small bit of it saying like, okay, well, he became a family man. Yeah, so he needs a family. So he needs a family. We yeah. have to like throw a family, like a random family in there. And and that's it. But they weren't really like a main part of it and after the beginning. Mm. In the beginning, they were a main part, especially with the, with the um, robbery scene. With the son being like, oh, we'll miss, you know, you yeah. dad. Uh, and like, why didn't you do this? And like the whole him not being respected like being that just kind of shadowy father figure that's just in the background so i feel like then that's when they were important but then after he got out of that yeah it was just i feel like this opening sets up so many interesting threads Mm, that the mm -hmm. film doesn't have any interest in exploring and i guess you know it isn't like it did it badly it just they just didn't care so you can't really criticize it too much because then you're asking for the film to be something else entirely exactly yeah but I know there's, there's potential here that's that's wasted. And I was going to say I would like to see what like Naishula does next. And then I read a comment which is that because it was written by Colstad and there's a lot of John Wick pedigree, mm. they're already talking about like doing a crossover into the same universe, which is a real bad sign, particularly because A, it's such a different setting to John Wick. Yeah. And B, John Wick got really bad the moment they decided to turn into like a universe. Yeah, universe thing. Because the whole thing as well at the end when um, she was like, yeah, just come back. And, you know, like, and he actually came back Mm. and they like make it in the house again. I was like, they're going to make a second one. Yeah. Yeah. Because it cuts to them and then the real estate agent lady, oh, hello, sorry, I got to take this call. Then it was like another case or whatever. And then the wife and Hutch said, do you have a basement? At the yeah. same time, I was like, mm. that's so cringe, guys. Like, yeah. please don't make a second one. Yeah. Just, Not everything has to be a franchise. No, just keep, just 
make it one thing, do the project, say, yeah, we did it, yeah. pop the bottle of champagne, move on to the next project. Yeah. Don't keep it going. It, like, it's a thing which I... I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I've talked about it a lot recently, which is one of the reasons why I watch a lot of old movies mm-hmm. is that when I'm watching them, I know it will end. I know there will be a climax, yeah. there will be a third act. It will end, roll credits, even if they're going to do a sequel at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, even as recent as, say, like, Rocky movies or something, they end, then they do the next one. Exactly. So it's a cohesive unit. Yeah. When you watch them like this, you start to see, like, okay, what's the sequel hook? What's the teaser? And I felt like they were pretty fine at not doing that until the does it have a basement. And yeah. I was like, oh no, this gearing yeah, up for this is going to the gearing up for now the family knows. So that's going to be like, does Connie Nielsen get involved? See, also with that because you have the family getting back into it, everybody's just like, oh man, yeah, we missed this, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like legit, everybody said they missed doing this, but what happened to all of them that they felt like they had to stop? Yeah. So like Christopher Lloyd, why did he need to stop? Because obviously his two sons, yeah, which they also adopted a black son, a black son Rizzo yeah. for some reason I don't know why, but that's okay, cool. Um, so like, why did Christopher Lloyd's character stop and yeah. then have his two sons get involved, and then why did the Rizzo stop? And he's like, that's the thing. There's there's so much in this story that doesn't really add up to anything. No, like you get because you understand why Hutch stopped. Yeah, because he saw. Alan, and then he was just like, okay, we'll fix your life. Yeah. Pretty much. And then saw, first of all, how did nobody see him standing in the window when the blinds were clearly open? Yeah. That didn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> but yeah. saw him with the family and he was like, oh, I'm so jealous. Cool. That makes sense. We understand why you're doing this. Yeah. But like the background, which you kind of needed a movie sometimes, just like yeah. a little bit of exposition on it, didn't make any sense. Because you can just hint at things like in. Yeah. Um, like and uh, it's very different, but you know, Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. Like everyone bumps into Snake Plissken and says, oh, "I thought you were dead." You don't need any more information. Well, what happened to him if they no. thought he was dead? Yeah, you, just... you just need to hint at these things. Yeah. Whereas this seems to just put people in situations without thinking why they're there in the first place. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of just random stuff happening. Yeah. Like, you're like, okay, okay, I'm I'm accepting this because you've already made it, and yeah. this is what I'm watching. So I'm just gonna accept it and move on and just enjoy the movie. It was still fun. I still enjoyed it, though. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Um, I just looked out of my notes, and I just see, please do not make a sequel underlined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the first thing I thought of. Oh, one thing uh, I wrote down. I had to use the word I absolutely hate using, which is juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. I hate using that word. Why? University. Oh, okay. Yeah, writing classes, reading books. Oh, the juxtaposition of this, da-da-da-da. But anyway... I like the the um, transition from the title sequence mm-hmm. when you get the, oh, who are you? I'm boom, yeah. nobody, right? And then you have like the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday type thing. And then you get to the Russian and it's just Yulian. Mm. And he's like, oh, now you know this is somebody. And I liked how that transitioned. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I thought that was a really nice transition. Because when did we get to see Yulian for the first time? It's got to be like half an hour in. It's quite way into the movie. Yeah, because we saw him after the bus scene. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And that was pretty cool because that was also like Hutch's character becoming like a somebody Mm. again. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty nice. It was very strange that they spell Yulian with a Y because in Russian the J is soft. So it would just be Julian. 
But also, the reason why it's weird is Yulian, as it's spelt in the movie, Y-U-L-I-A-N, mm-hmm. is a Chinese girl's name, and I work with several of those. <laughs> so I was like, hmm. Hmm, what's this here? I see a Russian what's man in his 60s. On? I don't see a Chinese girl in her 20s. But... No, but okay, we'll continue with that. That's okay. I like the soundtrack. I would have. No, not the, not like, not the additional songs. Oh, oh the actual score in the Yeah, the background. actual yeah, score. Yeah, yeah the that, actual was, that was pretty score. good was pretty decent yeah. um and there wasn't a lot of it which yeah. was really surprising it only kicked in in like the action scenes yeah I think. they really they really um needed the support from oldies mm. which was in, like why why oldies in action movies why is that a thing i feel like a i think it's part of like the retro throwback that like tarantino brought in in the yeah. 90s and also because it does like okay you have this harsh violence with like this soft music yeah I feel like it's kind of an obvious thing that's played out. It's too. It's. Yeah, they, like, but the so they do it so many times in this. Like, yeah. surely, like, okay, this has to be it now. This, this is it. Like, you can't but, do this anymore. And then they threw in like the classical as well, which, which is I, being done to death. Also. Yeah, but whatever. That's okay, I guess. Oh, one scene which I kind of enjoyed. I thought that was really interesting when when they were coming to his house mm. they shouldn't have done that. those are the rules don't come to my house he was taking the kids out of the basement mm. close the daughter's eyes but let the son see all of the aftermath of what yeah. was going on and I was like yeah he wants to say yeah yeah son I could have yeah. I could have yoked that guy up but I didn't that's the thing there's so many like these cool little details yeah in that's this. the whole thing that I really really enjoyed about this film are the small details mm. for example where the bus scene, one was drinking the, the cup. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of focus on her and the cup. And then yeah. just like the way that where she was sitting and all that stuff. And the bag, the bag being left behind, using that as a weapon. And yeah. then the cup being used, the straw, to help the kid. You were stay breathing. Yeah. Yes. And then um, those are the small little pieces. And that's what I really liked a lot. You get the end at the beginning. Yeah. This type, one of those type of things. And you have all of these like little, he gets out a cat. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what the, was going to happen with the cat, and then it literally just finds it at the very Yeah, because when the possum came out, right, when she was like, there's a possum, that mm. you heard a me- like the subtle meow sound in yeah. that, and I was like, is that right, it's the cat, is that what's happening? And then, of course, again, why did, like, when he put the gun in the freezer mm. at the beginning as well, why did he do that? Yeah. But still, why did he do that? That's I think still that was just, just like to, a, I think it's just to hide the gun. But why at work? In the freezer. Yeah. Still, like maybe. Because anyone could be like, oh, frozen Whoa, pizza. Oh, yeah, frozen pizza. Whoa. Oh, a Glock there's nine. A, there's a yeah. gun in here. Um, and then, uh, what what else was there? Ah, you had the Van Gogh painting. Mm. You had the can of tuna. You had the cat. You had the cigarette. Well, I don't know where he got the cigarettes from. I guess they just give you that in interrogation rooms because, like, that apparently that happens in every interrogation yeah. scene. Someone just smokes a cigarette. Someone needs to smoke under a yeah, spotlight. Someone needs to smoke. And then the whole thing was is um, when you you were shown the money room yeah. or the art room, you saw the Van Gogh piece, and so you're thinking, when is he going to get this? Because he obviously gets that at mm-hmm. some point. And I think the movie did that very well by putting the pieces together unfortunately did we pay any of them off no no, none of it really pays any pays each other off which is unfortunate but i don't know but it was there the attempt was made oh well what are you gonna do 
make better yeah make better movies I guess <laughs> is, is, I, I, like based on this I would hope this is almost like an audition for Odenkirk to step into the Liam Neeson role because mm-hmm. Neeson has said like he's getting a bit too old for yeah. it now yeah. and his last few have not been the best anyway mm-hmm. So I could see him, even if he does have credentials as like a comedian or whatever, I'd like to see him doing more of this. It was good seeing him in a role like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Naishula, he needs someone to tell him to stop being himself, I guess. So <laughs> Someone to tell him to stop being such like a Russian punk band bass player, whatever it is he is, and just commit to the movies. You can do both. Yeah, but... You know, so he's made these two films now, and each one of them have come out of it thinking, like, overall, I wouldn't say failure, but overall I see a lot more potential than actual result. Mm-hmm. And then he takes, like, five years off. I, if he takes another five years off, I don't think What's that really helps. Whereas he needs to... To keep, yeah, keep going. Because on. I feel like if he would have made Harko Henry, then this, like, one year, two years later, and kept that cycle on, if not, let's say, hypothetical third film, a fourth or fifth would be like when he really hits his stride. Right, yeah, exactly. Because this was ballparks away from hardcore hitting. Yeah. And it's pretty decent. Like, yeah. So I am kind of excited to see, like you said, if he makes another one within the next two years. Yeah. And what we're going to get from yeah. him. Do you think it will be the same kind of... I wonder if... You know, Harko Henry is the kind of thing that you can just do once. So he couldn't he have done do he couldn't have done another first no, person. No, no. You can reasonably make another of these movies, considering there's like a whole genre of them anyway. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think Naishula is the kind of guy who'd want to just fit into another one. Mm. I think to him, like, the gimmick behind this was having a comedian as the main action mm. hero. So I could see him making another action film, just trying to find another twist. Right. But what kind of like this is the thing about action films now because you're either getting Tom Clancy remakes mm-hmm. or Tom well, Clancy movies. Yeah. Um, Even though he's been dead for God knows how long. Yeah. Um, or you get the ra- the the quiet rage man. Yeah. Like this one. Or what else is there? What yeah. can you do that's special and that will change things and make people excited? I mean... I hate to say, everything just went back to like old-fashioned action movies like car chases. No one's had yes. a car chase in a long time. Yes, I know. So, because it was fun, because I do movie nights on Mondays, and this past Monday I did 90s movies. Mm. It was great seeing my friends see these movies for the first time, because I showed Speed, Con Air, and Demolition Man. Right. And Sam says bleed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're, they're just they're just classic. They're like legit classics. Yeah. And... They have never seen it before. So it was interesting seeing them watch that for the first time. Because, yeah. like, to, uh, like pretty, you, you know these movies yeah. as well. Those are classic 90s, yeah. like, well, not even 90s, just classic action movies at, to me, I think, possibly it's prime. Yeah. Because I know when I was growing up, action movies, I was like, action movies, yeah, 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 yeah. And I had a very big thing for, uh, what's his name, Steven Seagal. Oh, you're one of those. I was one of those kids, yeah. I was just, I was a Van Damme guy myself. Yeah, I was I was a Steven Seagal girl mm-hmm. and like we I just want those kind of movies back that you get characters that you care for. Yeah. Cause even on speed, you just have like a bus full of just random strangers, but you care for all of those people because you get like little small glimpses of their life yeah. throughout the movie. And I feel like the personal aspect 
of that is now gone. Yeah. And, we... and I think it's been replaced by this kind of irony. Yeah. Like coming back, keep coming back to, like, you think about the premise of all these movies, mm. policeman frozen for, like, 40 years to end up in, like, <laughs> he's gone from just, like, burning buildings mm. to, like, a whole city that looks like an Apple store. Right. Then you have Speed, which is just, like, what if a bus couldn't slow down? Exactly. But then everyone in the film, as in the characters of the film, but also the filmmakers themselves, Jan de Bond director, people like that, they take it all seriously. Exactly. And that's why now we look back and recall these films as being memorable, very well done. We have fond feelings for them. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, oh yeah, this kind of laughed it off. Because then you kind of forget. It doesn't yeah. have the same impact. Um, and that's kind of the tone I think they need to get back to. Also, a bit more authentic, like stunts and things. We're getting that with like Odenkirk right. knowing how to, being trained how to like throw a punch, stuff right. like that. If they can just combine the two. It'll be great. Exactly. Yes. Bring back the explosions. Yeah. Bring back the five different angled explosions. Yeah. Bring back actual explosions, blood squibs, um, scripts that say Sam like says bleed. close-ups yeah. of people yelling at each other, like yelling into a walkie-talkie or something yeah. like that. Like, bring bring that back. Yeah. I just have, just have like, a guy with, like, a, a cell phone, like, activated, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's what I love about action movies, but it's just, it's gone. What happened? Uh, CGI happened. CGI happened. Um, cut on action happened. Mm. Um, blood happened. Too much blood. Too much blood. Uh, China happened. Um, a lot of bad things coalesced at the same time. A lot of things are going on. See, this is this is my thing. Like, what is are like actual stunts more expensive than CGI? Well, I think I've. I feel like I've noticed recently is extras must be expensive because right. you watch a film from like the 80s mm. and a film now and there's no one in these modern movies. No. It's like the streets are dead and right. office has like five members of staff. Like there's just nobody in them. And I guess that means people are more expensive and by virtue, I guess it also means stunts are more expensive. I mean, the Koreans seem to be all right doing it. They yeah. do really good action movies. Right. I want to say Thailand does it, but they also, like, actually hit people in those movies. Yeah, that, that, that's, like, yeah. a different... As, like, that's, yeah. that's a different level of action movies. Yeah, like, I want to say like, Tony Jaa was interviewed for the Ong Bak movies, saying, how do the stuntmen fake the punch? And mm. he says, they don't fake the punch, they just go to hospital. <laughs> and it's like, all right, well... Well, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. You don't need that level of realism? No, no, but we need some kind of level of realism. Yeah. Sad. So would you watch this again? I would watch it again. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Okay. Yeah. I'm, like, despite the fact that it wasn't fully, like, a, it was a puzzle with a few missing pieces. Yeah. You know, you're looking at it, you're just like, I don't know where that piece went, but it's somewhere in this house, and I will never find it again. But altogether, decent. Okay. It was fun. So on the, they were doing the 10-point scale? Yeah, 10-point scale, 8 out of 10. I don't know when or why I would watch it again. Possibly if I was with some friends. So I would give it four or five. Five is like, five and above is a film I'd watch again. Okay, fair. And I wouldn't go out of my way to watch this. No, yeah. But if I was flicking through and like, oh, it's on Showtime, mm. it's on Cinemax, like, then I'd watch it. Yeah. But I wouldn't go out of my way. No, see, I would read, like, my action movie that's came out recently that I will rewatch is The Equalizer. I don't know why I love that movie, 
but I love that movie. Antoine Fuqua's movies make me upset. A lot of things make you upset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna, yeah, because I, because the thing is with Denzel as well, because I am a really big fan of Tony Scott movies. I think about what he did with like Deja Vu, Man on Fire, Ooh, yeah, stuff like those that. Are good movies. Knowing that they, those movies will never happen again. No. And then knowing that Antoine Fuqua has stepped in to be the guy and he's just not good enough. It's it's upsetting. Ooh. But let's have a high note. Um, is there one? Is there one what? A high note we can end on. <laughs> the, high, the high note is... I feel I repeatedly end this lamenting the death of Tony Scott, which to me is like a turning point, a major turning point in the history of modern cinema. Mm. And it makes me upset every single day. Okay, all right. So ending on a positive note. Uh, positive... Yeah. And on a positive note, I am looking forward to seeing what Bob Odenkirk does next. Yes. I am looking forward to what Ilya Naishula does next. Yes. I like... Make a movie in the next one or two years. Yes. We'll, yes. Send, you, we'll send you some action movies from the 90s to give you some inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> and just like we did with Zack Snyder, we'll yeah. send you Attack on Titan DVDs. Yes, we'll send you Attack on Titan and see what you're going to do with that. Yeah. Or Akira. No, don't touch Akira. Yeah. Sorry. No, not for you. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's it for episode two yep. of Josh and Alex, Alex and Josh... Either Don't way, try we, to put your name first. Either way, we've done <laughs> Tinseltown once again, and uh, we'll see you. You'll hear us next oh, week. Oh wait, hold on. Wait. The next movie we're doing is an action movie again. Oh, we're, ish. Oh, we're, we're actually doing a build-up this time. Well, why not? Okay, so the next film we're doing is Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, which is the latest team up from Taylor Sheridan and Stefano Salimo. Mm. They did the. Let's say very good until the very end. Sicario Two, which the film Donald Trump thought was a documentary. So this is their follow up. Classic. And it stars Michael B. Jordan. Woohoo! As a guy who, based on the trailer, kills a lot of people in yeah, really kills satisfying a lot of people ways. And he's sad because his family was killed. Ooh, vengeance. Yeah. So that should be a lot of fun. It looks like a real movie. Something I haven't Seen we haven't done one. yet. Yeah, yeah. So that should be fun. Yep. We'll see. We'll speak to you then. We'll see. We'll, we'll see you. We won't. It's an audio <laughs> podcast. They will hear us in about yeah, a week's okay. time. Fair enough. All right. We'll 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 talk to you later. TTFN. Bye.